0: Well, let's uh, jump right into our teaching uh, for today. We started this last week, made for this living. On mission. Last week, we discovered uh, this very uh, biblical truth that you are a masterpiece, that God created you um, with all of our broken pieces, right? He takes all of us. He puts us and he creates us as a masterpiece. Those are his words, not mine. And, and, and a masterpiece means that you are uniquely you. You are uniquely one of a kind. There's nobody else that can be you. And he created you on purpose. Now, I know some of you were told by your parents that no, you were an accident, but you weren't an accident. Um, God meant for you to be here. You were created on purpose for a purpose to live on mission. And the way that we say that around here, the way the the biblical idea, um, the, the words that we use to portray this biblical idea, is this: calling all people to love God. To follow Jesus and serve others. That's the mission. Now, that's, um, these, all three of these are just biblical principles right from the scripture the first one, calling all people to love God. That's that call of salvation, the call to for us to live on mission, to be going to others, to be looking for opportunities to share with others about what Jesus has done in our life, about how he has transformed our life. And he wants to do that in their life as well. And he's called us to live like that, to be a light. Um, that's how you see it portrayed throughout the gospels is that he's called us to be a light. And a dark place. So we're supposed to live like that. We're supposed to follow Jesus. That that's about a discipleship. That's about becoming more like him. That's about apprenticeship. That's that means that this week you look more like Jesus than you did last week. That means this month, you look more like Jesus than you did last month. That means this year, you look more like Jesus than you did last year. Why? Because we all should be growing in our discipleship. We all should be growing as we apprentice, as we follow Jesus. We should look more like him. And then all of us, every Christ follower is called to live from a posture that Jesus lived from. And that's to serve others. Remember what he said? His words were in Mark 10, 43. Five, that if for even the son of man, as he's talking about himself, for even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down a ransom for many. That should be our posture as well. And so this is the mission. No matter what your role is, no matter if you're a bus driver, if you're an office manager, you know no matter where you show up in school or a college or university, you know it doesn't matter. That is how we live on mission. Whatever your role is, is we are to live on mission like that. Now, today, here's the big idea. Today, we're going to talk about living on mission in your home. Here's the way we put it. The most important place to live on mission is in your home. The most important place that you could live on mission is in your home. You know why? Because otherwise, you'll be seen as a hypocrite. A lot of Christ followers have given Jesus a bad name because of the way we live differently at home than the way that we live in our workplace, than the way that we live at school or at college. This, and this is hard. It's hard to live on mission at home. But we'll talk about that as we do. So take your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, we're only going to look at three verses today. And as we look at these three verses, we're going to read these three verses and then we're going to circle back around and then see what these three verses can teach us about living on mission and how we actually do this. But as I do this, I want to give you a little bit of context. First, Peter is writing uh, to uh, Christ followers who are literally uh, being oppressed, meaning they're on the run for their life. They're like refugees. They're on the run for their life because they have professed that Jesus is their king and not Caesar. And so now they're in all these uh, different cities and towns and have spread uh, spread out. And so Peter is saying, hey, um, if you read the whole letter that Peter wrote, it's a lot about suffering. So he's like, just anticipate suffering because living as a Christ follower is hard. It's not easy. So we can anticipate this. But here's what I wonder if any of us, when we think about Peter, do you ever think family man have you ever thought about that, about Peter? Do you ever think family man? When you think about Peter, no, we usually think about, you know, he was a fisherman and he was a loud mouth and he stuck his foot in his mouth a lot, right? That's usually what we think about. But he, think today, he, I want you to understand the context in that he really was a family man. Here's what we know. We know from the scriptures that he was married. We know from the scriptures that he had a mother-in-law. And uh, tr- I would say tradition or and a speculation is that he had children. Um, and at the time that when Jesus was uh, doing ministry, his public ministry, uh, Peter lived in Capernaum. And guess what? When I was in Israel, guess where I got to go? <laughs> I went to Capernaum. And there in Capernaum, we got to see the ruins of the city um, of, of Capernaum, right this is the old uh, uh, literally as we as that 's not I know i 'm a horrible photographer, right, but hey um, this is this, this is this like part of the ruins uh, you see this the stones and stuff that dates back again first century we 're looking we 're talking like two thousand years old, right, so first century, this village of Capernaum, but do you see the building in the background? So I forget what year it was, but um, at some point, the the Catholic Church organization came in and bought uh, this piece of property from Israel. And when they bought that, they built a chapel over a section, specifically over what is traditionally known as St. Peter's House. So, when you go inside of the chapel, um, it has a glass floor like this. And it's all in, it's like in that octagon shape. And when you look down, they're saying that this is literally the foundation of Peter's house and where he was. Dates back for century. Like, I mean, think about this. This is like when Jesus came knocking at the door, right? This is when Peter, this is where Peter was. This is where Peter was when he said, hey, can you come and heal my mother-in-law? And his mother-in-law lived with him. And so he, this is where probably Jesus showed up and healed his mother-in-law. Isn't that just so crazy? But the reason why I bring this up is because we don't typically think, as Peter of as a family man. But he had a wife, possibly children, but for sure a mother-in-law. And he had to learn how to live on mission in his home. So let's learn from some words that he has to share. Starting with verse number seven. 1 Peter chapter four, verse number seven. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. So from the text... What we see immediately, to live on mission in your home. Here's how you are going to be able to live on mission in your home, is that we have to be earnest and generous in our prayers. Because look at the text. The text says that we have to be earnest and disciplined in our prayers, plural. Now, don't think, here's here's what I have trouble. And I'm trying to break myself out of this box in my mind. Every time I hear prayers, I think, in the morning, you know, those, that first hour that you spend with God or 30 minutes or 10 minutes or 15, whatever your time frame is, right? That's where I go when I think prayer. So I've got to make sure I do this in the morning, right? And connect with God. But that wouldn't be how these Jewish people were receiving this. They would be receiving this not just my morning prayers, my noonday prayers, and my evening prayers, and the prayers that happen in between. Why? Because for them it was about it was through prayer, is when we commune with God. It's not just us talking to God, it's us listening. And so when they were walking down to the Sea of Galilee, which by the way, Peter's house is like almost right there. He had like beachfront property. It was amazing, right? But um, it, it, he would like go down to the Sea of Galilee and there he, would on his way, he's like communion with God. Jesus would teach them this. As you go pray, you know, as you live your life. This is a principle actually that we'll, uh, that we see throughout the Old and the New Testament. This is a biblical principle that it's not just contained or confined to just when you wake up in the morning. It's a posture that we live from throughout the day and being earnest in your prayers um, being disciplined in your prayers and being generous with them. Being, you know, we've talked about just sitting before God, being silent contemplating the scriptures, reading, meditating, all of that combined is the idea of prayers because it's from there and it's from there as you commune with God that leads us into the next very important foundation to be able to live on mission in our home. Most important of all, Peter says, continue to show deep love for each other. You see, You can't love deeply until you know you are loved deeply. Deeply by God. And that love from Jesus, that love from God the Father, to be able to say, Abba. You know, since I've come back from Israel, I have tried really hard just to engage God with that word, Abba. Because I told you, right, when I was walking through old Jerusalem, you'd hear all these little kids and they would like, Abba, 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 right? They'd call out to their dad like that. And this is how Jesus told us to pray in that model prayer. When he said, Father, uh, you need to hear the word Abba. And that changes. There's a sense of being loved deeply. And as you commune with the Father. Throughout your day, just not the first 15 minutes of your day, but throughout the day, you will grow in in your understanding of how deeply you are loved. And when you are overwhelmed by the Father's love, then you are able to love others more deeply. See, some of us, some of us struggle with this. We, We love because of our ego. Some of us love because we have this felt need to be needed. But when you are overwhelmed by the love of the Father, and you love from that, po- from that position, when you are overwhelmed by His love, He will allow you to love those in your home from that same way. If I'm very honest, I don't always get this right in my home. Zoe has had conversations with me. <laughs> what are you laughing for? <laughs> You're like, <"Yeah." laughs> She has. And she's like, you know, she'll let me know when I get out of line. She'll remind me. Hold it, how come It seems like you love people at the church more than you love your own family. And that just like, that that hurts, right? But I just want you to know, I don't always get this right either. But this is the goal. And if I can love, if I can just spend more time communing with God throughout my day as I work, as I do whatever. And again, that comes with great tensionality because I, your, your day is you know, just as busy as mine, right? We, get, we go from one thing to the other. And so we have to be so intentional to invite God into our daily practice, our daily work, our daily driving, and just talk to him and listen to him. Listen to him when we're at work. Remember last week we talked about that. Speak, Lord. Hen and I, right? We talked about that. Speak, Lord. I'm listening. And when when we can do that, this, when we, when we can do this and be generous in our love, this is the second thing that this text uh, tells us. But also in this text, uh, he tells us, for love covers a multitude of sins. Think about this. Uh, well, um, I say, think about this. Peter, we know what Peter did? He grabbed Proverbs. He grabbed a proverb that was already written. He's like remembering something that's on a scroll because he didn't have a Bible, right? He didn't pull out his Bible. He's like, oh, I remember Uh, in the the synagogue they would read this. He's reading from Proverbs uh, 10, 12, where it says, hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. And notice the difference. See, when you're deeply loved by God, you're not showing up trying to point out all the criticisms. You're not showing up trying to point out, why didn't you do this today? And what, you know, what about this? And, you know, and, and you're looking for the offense. Whereas what the scriptures would teach us, the biblical principle is, no, you know what? Hey, just love deeply love deeply that this this covers a multitude of sins that's that's what he's saying also understand this the type of love that he's talking about is that agape love the very greek word there is that agape love this is this is that unconditional intentional love the same love that you and i are loved by by abba The same love. Because think about that. God loves us unconditionally, no strings attached. We don't have to do anything to earn his love. And this, we don't, um, in this, that uh, he intentionally loved us in this way and that Jesus left heaven, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. See, God loved us in a very intentional way. He gives his son for us so that anyone who believes in him Anyone who received that love would not perish, not a one. So you see, in the same way, that same type of love, that's how, that's why it's so important to commune with God. That idea of generous prayers. And then it says a decision of the will leading to action. This will happen in your home. This is what will happen in your home. That you will, on purpose, I, I tell, I, I have to do this to myself. This is how I know this works. Because you know what? There are some days that I don't feel like I love my wife. Right? We get into that tension, and she's like, why don't you love me? Right? When she's confronting me, I'm, you're right, I don't love you. You know? No, I don't do that. I don't say that. Don't say that, guys. Don't say ever say that. But I have to say, in those tough times that we're having, right? I'm going to choose to love my wife. Because love, this kind of agape love, unconditional love, isn't dependent on how they treat me. It's dependent on my choice and just like God's love. And the more I can understand the way that's the way God the Father loves me, then then I can love my wife like that and every... Every um, uh, wedding that I have officiated, I always look at the bride and groom. And I always tell them, love is a decision. The feelings that you feel right now, <laughs> guess what? In 35 years, they're going to come and go. They're going to come and go, right? And you have to choose to love. And that's how you make that commitment for a lifetime. And the same, and, and, but that we get that from just being overwhelmed by God's love for us. So we have to choose that way. So when we do these two things, then Peter says this cheerfully, share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Notice how how he brings up the idea of home. Now, in context for them, it were these uh, Christ followers on the run showing up in their cities, towns, or wherever, and they're like, hey, some people are going to need some help. Open up your home uh, to them, or maybe your neighbor just needs some help, but, and use your home. Invite your neighbor into your home, but what, the idea, what we see there is to be generous and intentional with our home. Our home is so important because it's, that's where people get to see the real you, right? Um, When they come into your home and that is where you get to demonstrate to them the love of Jesus. So I want to give you just a couple of ideas, a couple of ideas of ways to be intentional with, in your own home, praying, not just for, but with those that you live with. And that's a, that's a big deal um, because, you know, I know many of you pray for your family, but do you ever grab your wife's hand and say, hey, I just want to pray for your day today? There's something special about that when you do that. Wife, do you ever do that for your husband? Grab his hand and say, I just want to pray for you before you leave for work. And, uh, and, and then you lead out in a prayer for them. Or maybe you're just driving in the car and you reach over and grab your wife's hand and say, Hey. I want you to know I prayed for you this week. In fact, while we're driving, I'm going to close my eyes and pray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you, but you could pray in the car. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to be on your knees, right? You can pray. You can just talk to God. You see, um, it, it, there's something about doing it uh, with something that changes. When you, when you pray for your kids, that's one thing, and it's good, and we should. But when you pray with them, whole nother level whole nother level to grab your daughter's hand grab your son's hand say man I'm, I'm praying let's just pray right now for you some of you aren't married uh and but you maybe you have a roommate you're single you can still be intentional in your home use your home in the intentional way that you are going to demonstrate the love of god to your roommate right that you are going to pray with them wow, what? Yeah, you're going to love them. You know what? They left the dishes in the sink and you've got these rules, you know, how they're supposed to do your own dishes and stuff and you can mention it to them in a nice way not instead of saying like, you did it again. What's wrong with you? You always forget. I even left you a post-it note on the refrigerator, you know. You're supposed to see that, right? Uh, But but instead of like throwing it in their face, single person, right? Just, Just bring it up. I mean, because loving doesn't mean that you don't ever bring things up. Absolutely. In fact, that's Part of loving somebody the right way, right? Is that you've got to talk about these things and you just can't pretend like they don't happen, but there's a right way to do all of this. But also, remember this. Remember going all the way back into the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Oops, well here I, I forgot about this. I forgot about family dinner. Uh, fam, family dinner. You know, um, that's another place that you can intentionally use your home. For uh, uh, being intentional about God. When, we're, when our kids were younger um, and we would sit around the table, we, one, we made family dinner a big deal. Like it was non negotiable. You had to be at home for dinner, right? When they, were, when they went to their friends after school, guess what? At whatever time you know, Zoe said dinner was at six o'clock, everybody had to be home. Even I had to be home. And even if I had a meeting at the church at seven o'clock, now I live 20 minutes, right? And you're like, what a waste of guests. No, we made it a priority. It was a priority for me to drive 20 minutes home, have dinner with my family for 45 minutes, and then turn around and come back. Because we use that time as intentional time to talk about our kids, to talk with our kids, to just love, see what happened in their day. That's where we prayed it together as a family when they were older. Now, this becomes hard. Hey, I get it. When they, were, when they became teenagers, we had to fight for this. I mean, we had to fight hard for this um, because they would say, Well, at my friend's house, this is how their mom does it. Their mom just cooks something, puts it on the stove, and says, Hey, the dinner's on the stove. Eat it whenever you want. You know, why can't we do that? And they would sit on the couch and watch TV or play video games and take a bite. I'm like, Yeah, no, that's just not the way we do it around here. That's all right if they want to do that. But we're going to be intentional about our dinner time. Now, for some of you, I get it, um, that schedules, and it became harder when our kids started getting involved in sports or they start working, well, then, you know, you have to work things around. Some of you work like a second shift. And so maybe you adjust that to be like breakfast time. Or, you know, or you, you figure it out in your own. You guys are smart. You can figure this out. But you be intentional about how you make sure that you come together as a family at some point. And if you if it can't be every dinner, maybe you, it's just like, hey, we're going to commit to doing this three nights a week because of our schedules. But then you commit to that. Um, this is so important. The other one is just loving your kids friends. My kids would say, why are you asking them so many questions? That's so weird. That's, how, that's, what, that's the feedback I'd get from my kids. As, as I would, they, their friends would come over, you know, and I'm trying to get to know them and, and trying to understand who they are and trying to find places where I can connect with them. And my, my kids hated it when I did this. But you know what? I still do that. I still do that. And to this day, many of their friends, if they see me and stop and shop, they're like, hey, Mr. Moore, what's going on? You know, they engage me. But I did that so that there would be an open door, so that I could talk to them about God. And I would look for opportunities, especially in the times when they needed rides, right? They're in the back car, captive audience, baby, right? You're listening. You're listening. In fact, you find out a lot, by the way, parents with teens, you find out a lot about what's going on in your own kid's life from your kid's friends sitting in the back seat because you're listening, right? But you also find out ways of how to ask questions and how to steer them back or point them back and, hey, have you ever thought about this? One day, my, uh, one of my teens, I won't point out which one, uh, but one of them said, um, as they were talking to me, they were like, dad, you think everything has to do with God, Yeah, I do. You're right. You got it. Yay. Right. Right. That's it. You know what that happens is because of this. Because Deuteronomy says you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your soul, all of your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. This is from Moses to the people of Israel. And then he said, repeat them again and again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you are on the road, uh, when you are going to bed and when you're getting up. That's the idea. It's intentionality. And whether you're married or single, it doesn't matter. Use your home in intentional ways an intentional way to live on mission. We ha- it has to start. We have to be able to live the same way in our home as we do in our workspace. In the same way that you live in home, it should be the same way that you live in school or at college, we- wherever you find yourself, in the restaurant, right? We should, but in the- it has to start in the home. This is foundational. Otherwise, People will be able to point the finger and say, what a hypocrite. They say one thing, but they live differently. So this is why it's so hard. You know what? Uh, I want to share this quote with you from J.D. Greer. He's a pastor. He said this. It seems that many parents in our churches care more about where their kids go to college than where they spend their eternity. And that breaks my heart. Think about that. Think about how much time we put on academics, we put on, you know, their college education and getting that scholarship, you know, we make sure that they are in every possible sport so they can get a scholarship, so they can pay for college. And hey, I get it, how expensive college um, is. But when you put more intentional emphasis on that, I wonder what that says to our kids about their spiritual life, if you're not intentional about that as well. I want you to listen to a couple of parents at different stages of life. Uh, The first parent you're going to hear is from uh, Mackenzie Wilcox. They have young children. Um, And just listen to her on how her and her husband, Mark, try and do this in their home.
1: Being on mission to love God in the home starts by loving your family and sacrificially serving them, realizing that these often mundane tasks are all acts of worship. Changing diapers, lovingly guiding and leading our children, providing them the comfort of a bedtime story, prioritizing mealtime, are all ways we serve our families, and in doing so, we serve the Lord. Our mission field begins in the inside of our homes. Bringing our children to Sunday school and youth group is good, but it's not the responsibility of any teacher or leader to invest into our children the way God has called us as parents to. For us, this looks like starting and ending each day in God's Word and discussing God throughout our days. Stop and ask Him for help when you meet a challenge and praise Him for answered prayer. I like to read my actual Bible rather than reading the Bible from my phone so that my kids can see me in that practice and see what I'm doing. Um, We have some sort of Bible time and discussion over breakfast each morning, Um, and I do feel that children's Bibles and devotionals can be a useful tool, but we don't shy away from reading God's Word straight from the Bible to our children. Um, and then as uncomfortable as it can be, we need to discuss hard topics with our children before the world does, because that builds trust with our kids. And we need to not just be available to our younger children, but to our older children and teens as well. Um, and it seems that a lot of their questions or bringing up hard topics happen at night. And I know that us parents are sometimes ready to relax at the end of the day, but if our children have questions for us, we need to not be quick to dismiss them, but take the time to have their conversations with them, sit on their bed and really take time to talk for as long as it takes. Romans 12, reminds us to not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Explain to your children why you choose to live set apart from the world. Teach your children it's always worth it to do things God's way. Prioritize family meals together, make traditions, give undivided attention, do life together, pray with and for your children. Also, think about how you respond to your kids. Do we make them feel like an interruption? Are we short-tempered and quick to get angry? Can we model Christ instead By responding to our children with patience, kindness, and grace, are we not our children's first example of a Christ follower? As parents, we will all have shortcomings, but this is another opportunity to trust God for the patience we need and ask our children for forgiveness when we make mistakes.
0: So uh, there's just a young family trying to do this. Do they always get it right? No, they would both admit we, we don't get this right all the time, that this is hard, and you're not going to get it right. We didn't get it right all the time. But when you get it wrong, you go back to your kids. I've had to go back to my kids and apologize to them time and time again. Hey, I'm sorry. I, I should have done this. I shouldn't have done this. You know, what, whatever it was. Parents, um, this is so important. And again, if you're single, this applies to you as well. Um, being able to say, hey, I got that wrong when I acted out like that. I shouldn't have, you know, got so mad because you didn't wash your dishes again and put them, you know, get them out of the sink. What, whatever the deal was, right? Um, what, however uh, that looks in your life Know that we don't always get it right, but we should strive to be intentional for that and then be ready to um, give that answer of, hey, I got it wrong. So there's somebody else um, uh, we wanted you to hear from. They're at a a different stage now. And in fact, you saw the fruit of this. Um, Jared uh, Mora got baptized and it was because of the impact of the Wilbur family. So listen in.
2: Hi, I'm Laura. Uh, my husband and I have an open door policy in our house for our kids' friends, actually for anyone, but mainly for our kids' friends. We want to provide a place for them to come where they would feel welcome, at home, and if needed, to feel safe. Uh, this is the way that I serve God in my home, by opening it up and not worrying about whether it's clean, whether it's tidy, or you know, there's no great food, there's no cloth napkins, it's just, you're invited into our family and become part of our family. One way in which we've seen this develop is um, as about a year and a half ago, my son had friends come over and they brought another friend with them. And he didn't know that we're Christians. He didn't, uh, he had kind of a not so great view of Christians too. And as he spent time at our house, I got to know him and connect with him because i try to connect with all of the kids who came into the house. Over time, you know, I got to talk to him about God when the time was right. And I didn't hide it from him, it was obvious in our home, but he just really wasn't aware of what that would look like. So he didn't know what a Christian home looked like. So as a result, he became like part of our family. He Came to know Jesus because of the time and the relationship that we've created over time, and um, and God was obviously drawing him in the process, and yeah, and now he I can't get him to leave. He lives at our home now, <laughs> he has his own space in the little apartment downstairs, and um, it's been really good, yeah.
0: And, you know, Jared is on fire for Jesus. He's a part of a young adult's Bible study that meets on Tuesday nights. It's just so amazing to see uh, what God is doing in his life. And this is why Peter would say, cheerfully share your home or be intentional about using your home. Why? Because the most important place to live on mission is your home. Which brings us to our next step. So if you're in South County will you grab that connection card? If you're online there's a link for the connection card and if you're right here in the Cranston location the connection card's in the chair in front of you. So everybody lean forward pull out the connection card. Look at this first next step because we want to pray for you. We want, we want um, This is so important. It starts with prayer right? The mission starts with prayer. It says the mission has to start in my heart for to be the mission of my home. I need to spend more intentional time with Jesus and allow him to cultivate my heart. Will you say, would you recognize, because I need you guys to pray for me in this way. And we want to pray for you. Just put your name, circle step number one. And this uh, week, as our team gathers, we'll be praying for you uh, by name. And let's see how that changes. Let's see how, as you are overwhelmed by God's love, watch how you will then love other people differently. The other next step says, I need to be more intentional about, about living out my faith at home. Pray, my faith will impact my kids, grandkids, or others living with me, you know, whomever. So again, this applies if you're married, if you're grandpas and grandmas, if you're single, widowed, it doesn't matter the stage of life. We just want to be intentional about the way that we live out our faith, to live on mission in our home. And we want to pray for you. So that's step number two. Just circle step on uh, uh, step two on that connection card and drop them in the offering boxes if you're here in the Cranston location. If you're down in South County, just give it to Pete or uh, Scott. They'll make sure that we get it. And if you're doing it online, it will automatically show up in the office for us to pray uh, for that. I, w- I want to pray for us uh, here this morning. Jesus, um, I need help to be intentional about living on mission and, and I'm praying Uh, For me, I'm praying for our church family. God, that you'd help us, that it would start in our home, that we would on purpose live this way. Please. We can't do it without you, Holy Spirit. Empower us. And Jesus, uh, may it be just an overflow of us communing with you, becoming one with you. Please. Move we pray, move in our hearts and our lives. May homes be changed. May it be different for this very reason. Thank you. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to uh, dedicate the tithes and the offerings. Um, as uh, they come to dedicate the tithes and the offerings, we, we want to let you know you have an opportunity for a short-term missions trip if um, in October the adults are going to be taking a short-term missions trip And there's an informational meeting uh, today at 1140. So that'd be after the second service. So if you have any interest in that, want to find out the details, uh, we are asking you to show up at 1140 so that you can find out all the details about that. That's today. Or um, if Saturday morning works better for you, they're going to be meeting this coming Saturday morning at um, 915, I believe. The partner of the week is Carl Lana and Lana. Lana, Lana. And um, we want to pray uh, for them. They're stateside. Uh, they're going to be here uh, for a little bit less than a year now. And um, you know, he had lost his brother and his uh, he's trying to um, help you know settle all those affairs, but also um, his um, dad's not doing well. And so they need to be around their family. And Lana's mom's not doing uh, well either. So uh, over this next uh, several months, they want to be connecting with their family. So let's pray uh, for them. Jesus, thank you for Carl and Lana. And Jesus, thank you for um, their work, the way that they live on mission, the way their whole family is involved in that. And and God... uh, We are asking that why they're here in the United States, Uh, Jesus, that uh, they will be able to be refreshed God, that they will get some rest, but God, that, and that rest will come from you, that they're going to rest in you, and Jesus, we're praying uh, that even in the conversations that they have here, and I know Atlanta's doing some schooling and working for the missions organization remotely, uh, we're just praying that you can give the family exactly what they need, and we pray uh, for um, them, for you to work out all those details, Uh, but Jesus, um, we are asking that you would fill them up with you, please. And now, uh, Father, we are asking that you take these tithes and these offerings as it helps support people who are globally, people who are right here stateside. It helps us to support this local uh, church. So, Jesus, thank you. Use them to further your ministry here in Jesus' name. Amen.